It's wonderful to worship with you all here in person in the sanctuary today, and it's wonderful to worship with you all online as well. Today we're beginning a new sermon series called Faithful. We're going to be talking about faith, what it is, how to have it, how to exercise it as Christian believers. Today, we're going to start the series by looking at a very important passage in Paul's letter to the Galatians, Galatians 2, 19 through 20. I'll read from the New Revised Standard Version, and the title of the sermon is Personal Faith, Jesus Loves Me. Galatians 2, 19 through 20 reads, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Several years ago, a friend told me about the day she put her faith in Christ. The day she converted to Christianity. She was struggling with drugs at the time, and they were wrecking her life, as drugs tend to do. She was battling addiction and a number of other adversities in her life, and she had been thinking about possibly putting her faith in Jesus. One Sunday, she drove by a small country church and spontaneously decided to stop and go inside. There were about 40 or 50 people worshiping in there, and the pastor preached about salvation. My friend who was telling me this story was overwhelmed by the gospel during this worship service. And at the end of the sermon, at the end of the service, the pastor gave an altar call, an invitation to put faith in Christ as Savior and so my friend started moving toward the front of the sanctuary, slowly, reluctantly, agonizingly. She didn't want to be embarrassed, and she did not want to cry in front of a room full of strangers. So she tried not to go down front, but she couldn't help it. When she reached the front of the sanctuary, she collapsed on the floor. She melted into a puddle of arms and legs and tears on the floor right there in front of the pastor, in front of everybody. She was mortified and she was devastated. And I remember distinctly as she was telling me this story, she said, Noel, I felt like I was dead. All I felt was I felt like I had died. It might sound like an odd testimony that faith in Christ feels like dying. 
But Christianity means undergoing a certain form of death so that Christ can live in us. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The Christian life is not so much a new me or a better me, but it's Christ living in and through me. In other words, faith is a type of death. Conversion is a type of funeral. We see this dramatized every time someone is baptized. The symbol is quite clear when we are buried in the waters of baptism. We die to sin, we die to selfishness, we die to evil. Indeed, to put faith in Christ is to die to sin and self and to arise with Christ living in us. Paul explains that the life he lives in the flesh is lived by faith, by faith in the Son of God. Faith is putting confidence in the crucified Christ and not in our own goodness. Faith is submitting to Christ's way and not asserting our own way. Faith is trusting Christ's wisdom and not leaning on our own understanding. Faith is relying on Christ for purpose, for motivation, for righteousness, and for guidance. Faith is depending utterly and totally upon Christ for salvation. Salvation from sin and death. Faith includes the conviction that all we see is not all there is. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith perceives spiritual realities that are unseen, unproven, and empirically unverified. Realities such as God. Realities such as the kingdom of heaven. But faith is not altogether blind, as some suppose. Faith is directed toward a real person, Jesus of Nazareth, who lived in first century Palestine. Ancient sources, did you know this? Ancient sources outside the Bible confirm that Jesus existed and that he died under the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. Josephus, the ancient Jewish historian, reports that Christ was condemned to the cross by Pilate. Tacitus, the ancient Roman historian, writes that Christ was executed under Pontius Pilate. This is just as the New Testament reports. Jesus of Nazareth is no mere legend, but an actual historical figure. He is just as historical as George Washington or Joan of Arc. Jesus is the evidence of faith. Jesus is the data of Christianity. Christian faith does not stand or fall on scientific attempts to prove it or disprove it. 
Christianity does not stand or fall on archaeological discoveries that confirm the Bible or archaeological discoveries that question the Bible. Christian faith does not stand or fall on philosophical arguments for the existence of God or philosophical arguments against the existence of God. Christian faith stands or falls on Jesus, his life, his ministry, his teachings, his death, and his glorious resurrection from the grave. Scientific inquiry, archaeological studies, and philosophical reasoning are all important, but Paul speaks of faith in a person. Christianity is personal faith in the person of Jesus Christ. As Christians, it is critical to recognize that our faith is not in a system of doctrine as important as doctrine is. Our faith is not in a moral philosophy as important as morality is. Our faith is not in an institution as important as the church is. Our faith is not in a book as incredibly important as the Bible is. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, a real person, the crucified and resurrected Savior who is living still today. All of our other convictions flow from our essential trust in Christ. Christ is worthy of our trust because of the magnificent love he has shown for us. Paul refers to Christ as the one who loved me. How fitting, since love is the foremost characteristic of Christ. A four-year-old once asked me a very pointed question question. You know how children sometimes will phrase things in a way you never would have thought to phrase it and ask things in a very straightforward way that you might not have anticipated? Well, I remember a four-year-old asked me one time, she said, what does God do? What does God do? That's how she said it. Many answers are available, but the first thing out of my mouth was, God loves. This is the primary affirmation of Christian theology. Neither its simplicity nor its familiarity should ever dilute the foundational conviction that God loves us. The best theology, the most brilliant theology, the most sophisticated theology in the world centers on the love of God for us revealed in Jesus Christ. The great Swiss theologian Karl Barth evinced a rare level of genius in his writings. He ended up starting a movement that came to be known as Neo-Orthodoxy. Bart may be the single most influential theologian of the entire 20th century. His magnum opus entitled Church Dogmatics takes up an entire library shelf. It's many volumes composing a veritable encyclopedia of Christian theology. In 1962, 
Bart gave a tour of lectures across the United States. After his lecture at the University of Chicago, there was a question and answer session. And during that session, one person there asked Bart if he could summarize his life's work and his theology in a single sentence. Bart famously replied, yes, I can. In the words of a song I learned at my mother's knee, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Any of you who have read Bart, and good luck with that, by the way, know just how apt a summary this song is of his incredibly intricate theology. And any of you who know this song know just how incredibly important this song is. It's one of the first songs that churches teach to children. And its simple lyrics gather up the key elements of Christian theology and the essential convictions of Christian faith in one simple refrain. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. We have the love of Christ here. We have the authority of the Bible here. We have the personal nature of the gospel and the personal nature of faith here all bound together in the single phrase, yes, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. Years ago, I remember singing Jesus loves me at a funeral that was populated primarily by senior adults. The widow of the deceased had requested that it be sung at the service, and she explained that this song is meaningful to us as children and as we grow up, and as we grow older, this song can be very meaningful to us as senior adults as well. It makes sense to me because the love of Jesus is the heartbeat of Christianity. After we grow up and study the nuances of the Bible, the complexities of the Bible, the mysteries of the Bible, after we grow up and experience the blessings and the disappointments of life, the joys and the sufferings of life, we are drawn back around to what Paul accentuates in Galatians 2.20. Jesus loves me. It's important to observe that when Paul said, Jesus loves me, he was referring to Christ's death on the cross. The love of Christ is not sentiment, but sacrifice. The love of Christ is not emotion, but action. Paul writes in Romans 5, God demonstrates his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God is not so much a principle as a person. The love of God is not so much a concept as a cross. Even the great principle in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. 
is tied to the cross just two verses later when 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's love is not abstract or theoretical. It is concrete and demonstrable as exhibited in the love Jesus of Nazareth displayed when he died on the cross under Pontius Pilate for us. Which brings us to the last phrase in Galatians 2.20 where Paul says Christ gave himself for me. In Paul's language we can hear even for me. This is the beauty of gospel faith, which is emphatically personal in Galatians 2.20. Christ died even for me, a lowly sinner, because he loved me so very much. We know that Paul emphasized Christian community He's not talking about a purely individualistic faith here. He wrote about the body of Christ, the church. He wrote about the family of faith, the community of believers. We know that Paul also emphasized social aspects of faith, teaching ethnic equality and economic ethics. Yet Paul also conveyed the irreducibly personal nature of the gospel. Christ loved me and gave himself up for me. He died on the cross for me. He died to take away my sins. He died to save me. In his book entitled, Love God and Do What You Please, St. Alphonsus Liguri quotes the venerable John de Vila, who magnified the love of Christ by saying this, if instead of one death, he had been commanded to suffer a thousand deaths. His love was great enough to accept them all. And if he had been told to suffer for one man alone, what he suffered for all, he would have done for each singly what he has done for all together. One night when our younger daughter, Nora, was in fourth grade. She and my wife Dana were talking at bedtime. We have our family devotions a lot of times right before bed and we'll read scripture and pray together. And sometimes it carries over into a little conversation at bedtime, sometimes it doesn't. Well this particular night, for whatever reason, during their conversation, my wife Dana told our daughter Nora that not only did Christ die on the cross for the sins of the world, but Christ would have died on the cross just for her. If she were the only person in the world, Christ would have died just to save her. Nora was blown away when I came to give her a goodnight kiss a few minutes later, she told me what her mother had said. And with tears in her eyes, she said to me, Daddy, I knew he died on the cross for the sins of the world. 
but I didn't know he would have done it just for me. That's amazing, she said. Indeed, it is amazing. Christ died to save all people from their sins, yes, Christ died to reconcile the whole world to God. Yes, Christ died to redeem the entirety of creation. Yes, but Christ also died for me personally. And Christ died for you personally too. You will never understand the love of God until you see that it has your name on it. You will never understand the cross of Christ until you see that it has your name on it. You will never understand the forgiveness of sins until you see that it has your name on it. You will never understand Christ's incredible grace on the cross until you see that it has your name on it. You will never understand the promise of everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven until you see that it has your name on it. The heartbeat of Galatians 2.20 is not just for Paul to say with his faith, but for each of us to say with our own personal faith, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. In other words, personal faith means saying, Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Amen.